Abuse, rape, or trauma are things that happen to people who are victims at that very moment. Child or adult, there's nothing you could have done to prevent the atrocity. But when it's over, the healing must begin. It gets every day. You have inner beauty. You have inner worth and value. Framing your past as your past and leaving it there will help you to frame your future and lead you to the place where you belong with a woman's soul restored. Here's LaTanya Hendry. Hello, and welcome to A Woman's Soul Restored. It has been such a pleasure doing these podcasts and getting feedback from emails where women are asking questions and wanting to know more and from people that have gotten their victory and are celebrating um, X amount of years of being out of domestic violence or even with some X amount of months from being out of domestic violence or out of a situation that was dangerous. Some people celebrate um, the anniversary of being raped and not living in that terror of having nightmares. We all have things that we can celebrate even in the midst of the darkness. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. But this week I want to focus on the children. What about the children that have to grow up in that environment? I know when Myself and my daughter's father were going through our exchanges, not really exchanges, but I call them that. Um, she developed a stuttering problem where, you know, she was small, but she, you know, internalized what was going on. And for years she stuttered and it was so much violence in the home. And, and we were thinking that, she was sleep, but sometimes she was woke. Sometimes he would just lash out no matter, you know, if she was up or not. But I think sometimes we forget about the ramifications of what happens to the children that grew up in domestic violence. I touched on this subject a few times about, you know, mothers that stay in situations to try to keep their children in a two-parent home or keep them stable. Even on the panel podcast, we touched on the children that's in the home going through abuse. My mother was pregnant when she passed away from domestic violence one with, with twins. One of her twins was born and lived five minutes, but the other twin was from her getting beaten while she was pregnant, that twin was almost unrecognizable. It wasn't even a baby. It was mangled in her system, poisoned her bloodstream, and just a whole lot of things that went on during her death. Now, I was a toddler at three years old, and I don't remember any of those instances, but my grandmother, which is my mother's mother, told me and then my older sisters told me of what happened to my mother in that household with my father and how they were traumatized. Um, my sisters are much older than me. Two of them are deceased now. One of them still here. But they would talk about how my father would just go on rages and rants and 
just hit my mother wherever she was. They recalled one time when she was at the um, stove cooking and he asked her what she was cooking. And I think she said they said she said something to the effect of, you know, it's dinner. I'm cooking dinner, you know, and he walked up behind her and boxed it in the back of her head and she fell. So even though I don't remember that, I know the ramifications of what my siblings um, experienced, because when I when my mother passed, my sister next to me was 12. Then the next one was 14. And then the next one was 17. So they were old enough to acknowledge and remember, you know, what my our mother went through during those years. So I asked this question about our children because what we think we are doing to help them, we're really not helping them. I didn't help my daughter staying in that situation when her father was very abusive to me. And for years, if she heard something, she would just, she, she, her nerves were bad. As a, a small child, she would just shake and cry when she heard like any type of loud noises. And it, it took me years to to get her to a place where she felt comfortable and knew that she was safe. Now, at the time, as a young mother, I thought that I was doing the best thing for her. I thought by staying in that relationship that she would have two parents and that would help her. Whereas the consequence was it affected her and I really had to nurture her and then empower her to not be in that type of situation where someone's hitting on her. And even when my ex-husband and I were married and she lived through that and was old enough to remember some things, I still had to empower her to, you know, not internalize that. And what mommy is going through, I never want want her to go through. And to my knowledge, she hasn't very, I said on the last podcast, she's very strong, very independent, and now a mother herself. But what my ex-husband did, though, he made sure not to fight me or jump on me when the children was up. They were either in school when our incidences occur or they were asleep. But we all know children hear stuff. You know, they they hear what's going on. And even though my boys was little, my daughter knew, was old enough to hear the sounds at night. Um, I would try to muffle my screams and my cries, but I knew deep down that she heard me. So I posed this question today because... The holidays are coming up and I can remember most of the most traumatic times in my home with both my daughter's father and my ex-husband was around the holidays. The holidays were a hard, hard time. Um, Looked like the abuse intensified. And some of you probably can concur with me on this. And some of you probably did not have that experience. And thank God if you didn't. But abuse is abuse no matter when it happens. But it just seemed in my case, and I've talked to other women that look like, especially towards the end of the year with Thanksgiving and Christmas, because I guess the expectation of having to buy gifts and family coming over, it got to the point with my ex-husband that he moved me so removed from my family to where nobody came over. 
And that's how he wanted it. Nobody came to visit except one of my sisters. And it got to a point where she stopped visiting. And then my best friend, which I would come in town to visit her. And it when I got home, I had to account for going to visit my friend. So it got to a point for a while there I didn't visit her. But the holidays were very rough because that's a time of love and family and togetherness and bonding and celebrating however you celebrate your holiday. It's a, it's a time of family. And for quite some time there, yeah, I cooked and we celebrated in the house. I guess I treaded on um very thin ice, making sure not to you know, to do everything perfectly, to cook everything perfectly, not to scorch anything, not to make sure everything tasted right. There were no mistakes in that house. Um, not so much with my daughter's father, but with my ex-husband. He was very particular about things being exactly right. Um, there were no shortcuts in that area. So the holidays were a time of the house of horrors, which is what I call that time during when we moved on um, one of the on one of the streets on the south side, and most of my family was in town and didn't want to take that drive out there because the traffic was always busy on that street, even all times of night it was and we lived right on the street, you know our house was right on it, so you had to get in traffic to get to the house, but then backing out, you had to wait on traffic to back out. So most of my family just didn't bother, but they also didn't know what was going on because I'm sure if they did, they would have came to check on me or tried to intervene in some type of way. But because I kept it and when I talked on the phone, I was uplifted and I would I would not say that anything was wrong because I didn't want to get my family in harm's way. I didn't want them to, you know, come try to check on me and walk into a situation. So I just made it appear that everything was okay. But speaking of the children and the holidays and what that experience is for them to not have a joyous holiday, but live in terror of what they are used to experiencing. The holiday becomes a traumatic event instead of a joyous event. Um, I'm saying this today because as Thanksgiving and Christmas are about to approach us and we're still in the midst of a pandemic and we're in the midst of a lot of things that are just going on in our nation around us. And by so many things happening, it would be easy to get distracted from domestic violence and and victims of of sexual crimes and and various other things that victims go through but we have to stay alert as neighbors as families as as friends we have to be aware of what our friends are going through if they're acting fidgety if they if if they seem like something's just wrong and they're just not talking to you, you can't make somebody talk to you, but you can let them know that you were there for them, that you were there to help them. Now, it's a, a tricky road to tread because you don't want to push your loved one away. You don't want them to feel like you're being you're overemphasizing or trying to make a situation 
there that's not because they're going to cover. I covered so much until I, I, I'd lied, which I'm not known to me a liar. But I had done lied about things that, that I fell and I tripped and I had groceries and I just fell. And I'm not one for falling. I'm not a clumsy person. So, you know, it, it got to a point where my close family knew that it just wasn't making sense that I had bruises that it got to a point that makeup couldn't cover anymore. I, I couldn't put enough makeup on to cover the bruises because they were happening repetitively back to back. So it's only so much makeup. It's only so much lying. It's only so much covering that you can do to protect others, especially the ones that we love that reside with us, our little ones that have to see and hear, might not necessarily see, but they do hear. We think our children sleep lightly, but they hear stuff and they begin acting out either in school or on the playground or when they go outside after school, when they play with their friends and the teacher's presence, they, they act out and they're not old enough to internalize, you know, or verbalize what they're feeling. So they just act out. And that's something we have to remember when we're we think we're protecting our children by keeping them in a two parent home. It's better to be in a one parent home where they're loved and safe than in a two parent home when they're on edge and afraid of what's going to happen next. When they come home from school, they don't know what's going to meet them. When they wake up in the morning, they don't know what state the house is going to be in or what mommy's going to be doing. Is she in the mirror in the bathroom trying to get herself situated before they go to school so that they won't see how she looks? It's a lot that goes on when we try to protect our children, but it's a lot that we go through ourselves. And it causes more harm than good. There's no protection in that. There's no security in that two-parent home when any kind of abuse is taking place. Even with financial abuse where you could only spend a certain amount in the house, if you are able to spend anything at all, if you get any money at all. And that's a very serious form of abuse that we overlook financial where you have no control even if you make money you have no control over it and the children are affected because you might try to act like it's okay that you you know you can't spend your money you could try to cover that up and act like everything's okay but there is no sane person that could feel okay with somebody taking their money what they made and worked or if even if they don't work outside the home to get a paycheck, that they have no access to the money unless somebody gives it to them. If something happens to where the kids need something for school and, and you have to go ask for that money, almost beg for that money and justify why you're asking for a certain amount and prove, show the field trip slip or the the outing that the money is needed for or something that's needed in class, you have to justify what that money is for. Financial abuse along with verbal abuse are underrated because there's no physical scars. There's no transference of licks or hits from one person to another. But the scars are deep because it scars you mentally it scars your spirit. It scars your soul when 
you are bound by somebody telling you that you can't spend the money or yelling at you just constantly until you have no self-esteem. It's something that comes along with that that makes you feel like you're nothing. And in the process of that nothingness, you still have to be present for your kids. You still have to perform if you work outside this home. You still have to go to work. You still have to take care of the groceries. You still have to keep the house clean. You still have to attend to this person that's abusing you. You still have to make sure that as a wife, they are okay. That is difficult. You are juggling so many hats and trying to fulfill so many shoes until, yeah, it's easy to get. You're already depressed around the holidays and then you have to do extra with extra cooking and the kids are home from school on break and just the various things that's going on. And yeah, it's pressure and it's stress and you can get depressed. And the holidays are the highest rates of suicide for various forms of people taking their lives for whatever reason. But domestic abuse and and not having control over your emotions and being in a situation where you're not free, your spirit is not free, your mind is not free, you're, you're just there, you're just living. And I'm not talking about a normal situation in a marriage where you're going through difficulties and, you know, and even after being married for a certain amount of time, I could say even in my own marriage, we've been married 18 years and it it got to a point and it is at a point to where right now we're working on some things. It's stagnant, but I know my husband loves me and I love him. This man has been there for me and helped me through what I went through because he is my youngest son's father. So we were already in each other's lives when I got married and he was a sounding board for what I went through in my marriage. And when, before, this is going to be honest, before I got divorced and most of y'all had read my book, um, issues of the heart male, when his issues become your issues, that story is in there that, you know, I wasn't fully divorced, but my husband was staying in one room and I was staying in another And he was seeing somebody. So I went back to the person that in my heart I was in love with. And no, it wasn't the right decision. No, I should not have done that. And I knew that at the time. I'm not going to say I didn't know what I was doing. I knew what I was doing. But through the hurt of what I was going through, I made some irrational decisions. I don't regret the decision. But I know they wasn't right. I know I was doing something wrong. And from him knowing what I experienced in that situation, yes, we've had arguments. Yes, we've got at each other. But it wasn't to the point where I feel like my life was in danger. Like I'm walking on eggshells because I'm afraid of what he's going to do. We both have tempers. We both are explosive at times. We're not, I say not so much now with myself because I was explosive in the beginning with him because we got together, you know, when the last issue went on with my ex-husband, the next week, my current husband was in the house. Definitely not the right thing to do. So that's another thing that happens with, 
you know, when you go through a domestic situation or even if you were raped and haven't addressed that, we begin to make very irrational decisions and decisions that are not good for us that we think are good, but they're actually not. But he knew what I went through with my ex-husband and I had talked to him about what I went through with my daughter's father. So he was well, is well aware of my past and what, you know, situations that had occurred. But I would be, it would be aloof of me to sit here and say that I made all the right calls. And I can't blame everything on what I was going through. But what I was going through had a lot to do with the rash decision that, you know, that last incident where, my ribs were fractured and I, you know, I, they wanted me to stay in the hospital, but they couldn't make me. I made a decision to leave, but, um, it was a lot of factors back then that was involved in me making the decisions that I made. Most of them were not good. Most of them were rash. Most of them was, I wanted to feel loved by a person. I know that loved me. Um, and, and I just made that move. And is we is we've been married eighteen years together. This last time, twenty one years. So we have history. God has been with us, even in the midst of me really messing it up and not doing the right things. But I know this man loves me and accepts me as I am. But in the beginning, I would just get angry and I would just throw stuff. You know, just thinking about what I have went through and made a decision not to go through that again. And we could just be arguing and I would just pick up stuff and just begin to throw it at him. Or I would just try to jump on him and he would be looking like Tanya was wrong with you. And I was like, you, you not going to do this to me. And he's like, I'm not doing nothing to you. We're just talking. So I had to really get myself in a place where I was healed to not take out on him what I had went through. And probably moved too fast in a relationship. I didn't give myself time enough to heal. So I'm exposing myself because I don't want anybody to go through that where you're making rash decisions. Yeah, we would have ended up together because we were always in love with one another. We just, you know, when we were young, he had his ways and I had mine. But how I went about it was totally wrong. And, you know... It is what it is. We're together today. I love him. He loves me. We're, like I said, 18 years strong. But in the midst of that 18 years, you know, he had to help. He helped me heal from what I had went through to stop throwing stuff at him, to stop arguing with him at the least little thing. I just started screaming and, you know, I needed to heal and calm down. But. I don't want anybody else to make that kind of decision just to move so fast and ready. You know, you you just want to be okay. You just want to be able to heal and you just want to be happy. And in the midst of that, it's so easy to make a bad decision. I know my children were happier when they wasn't exposed to seeing their mom, you know, afterwards. Like I said, he wouldn't bother me when they were up. But when they wake up, I was either in the mirror trying to get straight or we had done argued all night and he had done fought me all night or whatever. And I'm trying to 
put on this front so my kids thinking that my kids didn't know what was going on. But, you know, it during those times, you know, so I often think about it. You don't forget when you go through that. You don't forget when you've been stumped or bloodied or whatever the situation may be on top of being a rape survivor, on top of being a, a child molestation, a sexual child molestation survivor. All those things culminate, and if you're not in a place of being totally healed, you'll lash out at whoever comes around you, and sometimes even your children. You know, you'll be fussing at them, and they didn't even do anything. So we ought to be mindful when we do situations and we say we're doing them for the benefit of the kids. Are the kids really the ones that's benefiting because you're suffering and then they're suffering as well. And when they grow up, they either do what they've learned or what they saw, or they strive not to even be like what they saw. They go either way. But our job as parents and as mothers and fathers is to make the best environment for our children. And if being someplace that's going to cause more harm than good uh, we can't justify that by saying we're doing that for them and we're protecting them. You're exposing them to things that they're not able to interpret. All they know that mommy is hurt or daddy's going through something and they they try, but they can't. So it comes out in other ways. We don't know why children act out in school. We don't know why they're in the street walking and they're just cursing because probably that's what they've heard in the home. They grew up here. They grow up hearing certain things in certain environments and they can only do what behavior they have learned. So this week, I hope you all, you know, took something from this podcast as far as you know what we say we're doing for our children even if you know most kids have other kids coming over and spend the night with them even I couldn't do that because I I know my kids were already even though they were in that room supposed to be asleep I know they heard stuff so every now and then my daughter would have a friend of hers come over and maybe spend the night but it wasn't something that was regularly done because of the situation that was going on in the house. I know if my children could hear, I know somebody else's child would hear, and I wouldn't want to expose somebody else's child to that. So it was hard to tell my daughter sometimes, no, that so-and-so couldn't come over and spend the night, but it was for her good. So... Um, I'm going to end this podcast today on that note that let's be mindful of how we are protecting our kids because sometimes the judgment call that we make really is not the right one. So just want to leave some highlights before I end. Um, I'm going to be taking a sabbatical until December. So this will actually be the last podcast until the first Monday in December, I'm going to take some time and um, I just just taking a break, and um, still free to email me at a woman's soul restored at gmail dot com. My website www.livelifenowlovelifenow.net on Facebook at either my personal page Latanya Wiggins Hendry. 
or the podcast page, A Woman's Soul Restored. Um, I'm going to miss doing these podcasts weekly, but I'm trying to. Um, next month, I'm really trying to get some things in order as far as like guests. And I want to try to get someone that's on an admin at Safe Shelter so that I can get an interview with them. We've just been missing one another, but I should have them narrowed down by next month. Um, also, my nonprofit, Sisters Helping Sisters Social Organization for Women Incorporated, will be doing a Thanksgiving giveaway of uh, we're not cooking because of COVID. Um, the last. We didn't do anything last year, but the year before, we actually cooked a full dinner and served it at a community center, and it was beautiful. The people that came out and were so appreciative. But this year, because of COVID, we're not going to cook, but we are going to um, buy turkeys and, and fixings, and we're looking for support with this effort so that we can serve as many in the community as you can. So our cash app is dollar sign T-H-E. S-I-S-T-E-R-H-O-O-D 28. So that's dollar sign, the sisterhood 28. And any monetary amount would be appreciated. Um, we would love to touch bases and, and, and for you to find out what we're doing, even in the midst of COVID, trying to be a blessing in our community. You can go to www.sistershelpingsisters28.com. That's www.sistershelpingsisters28.com. 28.com and our email is sisters helping sisters 28.com at yahoo.com so reach out to us if you can help us we would appreciate it any dollar amount would be appreciated we are incorporated we are a nonprofit, so your money is going right back into the community also um we would just love to hear from you love to even if you can't support us financially if you're local and want to drop some things off please just send an email to that address that sisters helping sisters 28 at yahoo.com and let us know you know how you can help but above all just keep us in your prayers um we're a sisterhood we're a ministry and we also have ladies that have went through some things and I'm trying to get some of my sisters to, you know, be interviewed and share their stories. But I know some are still, you know, working through what they're working through and I'm not going to push them. But just when they're ready, I just want them to know that, you know, we want to hear their story. I know their story, but I want to share their stories with this community that we have developed so for this week, this is LaTanya Hendry with A Woman's Soul Restored. And I'll see you back on the first Monday in December. Be blessed. <music>